the ins and outs of Onyx Maps, using Onyx to improve your outdoor experiences, memorable hunts, and more with Zach Sandow. You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That, that helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes, blood's dripping off of its tines, mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock, you know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. Battle Mountain Media Updates. Check out the brand new website at battlemountainmedia.com. Battle Mountain Podcast launches Wednesday, July 1st and covers everything outdoors except archery. All archery topics will remain here on the Archery Maniacs Podcast. If you are interested in hunting videos, gear reviews, kill shot compilation, how-to videos, and more, Battle Mountain Media YouTube channel has weekly uploads with those topics. Now, let's get into the show. Here we are. And I, it just seems like yesterday it was 2019 Western Hunt Expo. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if that's how you feel too. Oh, for sure. Um, by the way, I have Zach. How do you pronounce your last name? Sandow. Sandow. Yeah. On the podcast with me, Zach, the host. <laughs> Couple Zachs. I'm not used to this. You know, I was. I feel like Zach's common, but I don't have a lot of Zachs that, you know, like at home or in school or at work. So it's like double Zachs. I like it. <laughs> it's going to be one hell of a podcast. Yeah. But anyways, we are at Western Hunt Expo 2020. And um, Zach, for those of you who don't know, is, is working with Onyx. And I thought it'd be really great to have you on the podcast and kind of discuss different ways that you're utilizing Onyx to help your hunts. And I, and I don't want to just focus on Onyx, obviously. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about your whitetail hunt, like I mentioned on the way over here, because I, I know that wasn't like uh, you showed up there one night and shot him and then it was over with. I know yeah. that you had some, some uh, history with that deer and stuff like that, I think. So... I would love to hear that story as well. And yeah, just kind of dive into hunts and wherever we go, we go. And it's my podcast. So if you, if you cuss normally, just be you. Yeah. You know, that's all, that's all I ask people. Cause I've, I've had people try so hard not to cuss. Yeah. Then I know them really well. I'm like, who the hell are you? Yeah, like be sure. you, man, you know? So, so yeah. So I just, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out and I mean, maybe we're ready to get out of the booth already. It's oh, only yeah. day one, though. It's only day one. So, what so, time is it? It's like four, three thirty. What right time now? does this like, end? At five or six? Seven. Seven. Ten to seven. Yeah. Holy hell! So this is like you know, like we're getting to the seventh inning stretch. This was the <laughs> perfect time to get out of the booth. You know, not be standing around. We're sitting nice quiet area so yeah this is good i i do like doing them it's kind of cool doing them at the booth and all the people walk walking by i got this little little banner deal and that way people kind of know because what podcast it is for sure you know because i mean i don't know about you but there's a lot of podcasts typically going on in these things and you kind of walk by and unless you know the person that's talking yeah you're thinking well who's who's this yeah for sure you know and um one thing that that I, I want to incorporate in the future is the last 20 minutes or 15 minutes of the podcast, allow people to walk by and ask questions. Yeah. No, that'd be cool. That Get would be fun. Stuff. That'd yeah. be sweet. Yeah. But anyways, um, 
Yeah, I, I know, you know, walking over here, I kind of want to just let you tell about a little bit about your journey with Onyx and then we'll just kind of dive into utilizing sure. it from there. So. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, so I actually started using the product. Uh, my uncle actually found it and this is back when we had the chip. So our founder, Eric Siegfried's from Miles City, Montana, and my uncle lives in Miles City. And so we actually uh, um, would use it because we wanted to support local. And if we could, uh, you know, help out however we can, but then obviously, you know, being able to see where you were on the map and actually have land ownership and knows who it was, it was a game changer. And so I loved the product, started using it, went to college in Missoula, graduated. And then I actually, uh, there was an internship. And so I applied. It was one of those things like 20 hours a week. Wasn't for sure. Just graduated college. My dad's like, hey, you should go find like a, a real job. And <laughs> I started That's a parent and, thing. Yeah. And so started doing some social media stuff and, you know, stapling papers and some basic stuff there. Cause we were pretty small then at that point. And, uh, yeah, four years later, they've been crazy enough to keep me along. I've done, you know, now I'm the marketing manager so I can work with our partnerships and then I kind of help the team with our strategy and our communications going out. But I love it. It's the dream job because I literally get a talk hunting every single day. Right. I work for a company that the product is vital to everything I've done. And I love being able to help improve people's time out in the field. And so like on X is perfect for that because like what we're striving to do is like, you know, hunting is so sacred. Like you and I, we get to go on some hunts because of our profession right. we get to do some stuff. But most people it's like you have a couple of weeks, maybe only a couple of days and they are so vital to what your year is. Like you're thinking about it year round. Yep. We want to help improve that. So it's like, you're not worrying about where to go or if you can or can't be here or how to get back to it. You can just go hunt. And so that's the thing that like, I really enjoy about working here is just like down at the booth, everyone that comes by, they're telling us hunting stories. They're like, right. Hey, this helped me get, I had a guy tell me that it helped him get his biggest buck to date. It was a piece of property that, you know, he didn't know was public for years. He'd been hunting it. He finally got the app, was able to look and see, and he shot his best buck to date. And like, I love hearing those stories. Right. Those are great. And so, yeah, I mean, it's been cool, you know, starting seeing it and seeing just over the years how things have changed. It's been really cool just to hear all these stories and folks, you know, emailing in and stuff like that. So it's yeah. been awesome being able to work here. Yeah, I could imagine that. I mean, much, much like the podcast, right? Because when somebody listens to an episode, whether it be about tuning your bow or locating deer, whatever the hell, it doesn't really matter. Somebody listens to that episode. And then they leave a comment. Hey, thanks so much. This really helped me. Yeah. Same kind of, same kind of concept, you For know, sure. it's just, it's just, it's awesome being able to, to help people enjoy something that you and I hold so dear yeah. to, you know, cause I honestly don't know what, I, what I would do if I wasn't going hunting. Yeah. No, I honestly like no idea. I just, yeah, there, you know, he'd be a drug, who knows drugs, yeah. what, what, who knows what it would be, but man, I, I spent a lot of time hunting. Well, and yeah. <laughs> and I mean, growing up, you know, it was always like, I wanted to, you know, always looking forward to the season, but that was like, did some scouting and whatnot, but really that's gotten big in the last couple of years. And for me, it was like playing sports in high school and stuff like that. And I played sports in college a little bit, but then after I was done, it was like, all right, I want to talk hunting year round, regardless of my job. I'm thinking about it. So right. now it's like, I enjoy the process of going out and trying new areas Midsummer shed hunting, just, yeah. you know, being out, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about permits, you're shooting your bow, you're yeah. getting your gear ready. Like I enjoy that whole process, but 
but it is crazy if you think about it because it's your entire year. Like this is like the slowest season, right? <laughs> you know, in February that it's like, okay, permits aren't quite here. It's still pretty cold out. Like, yeah, I can shoot a little bit, but otherwise, this is like our downtime. Right I know, now, and which then is you, crazy. Yeah, and then you start getting in all these shows. Yeah, and it's then there goes your downtime. <laughs> exactly, and then you're just talking about the fall. And like as you said, I mean, it's always crazy to me. Like we'll sit, we'll be talking at this point next year, and we'll be like. Where the hell did the year go? And right. right now we're like, I can't wait for hunting season. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I can't wait for turkey season. Like, I'm just ready to get right. going. But then in a year, we're going to be like, where did that time go? Yep. Like, it just goes by so quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I gosh, I don't even know how long I've been using Onyx. A long time. I mean, the first one I bought was a chip for an old GPS that the screen was, you know, like half dollar size. Yeah. And, you couldn't really see anything other than the colors and you yep. knew you were on the right color. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, just looking back, I, it has been, gosh, it, it's just played such a huge role in, in all the hunts I've gone on, you know, cause I don't uh, like, we, like you said, I'm fortunate and I get to hunt multiple States and you know, it's, it's one thing when you grow up in a really small town, you, you learn what's what and you remember it. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I don't know. I don't know how you would go about doing that when it's multiple states without an app like yours. Especially new areas. And yeah. don't get me wrong. There's folks who can do it and, you know, they are another breed. Like they, you know, the, right. folk, the guys that have flat books or maps with just notes everywhere. Right. Like you can do it. The thing that's tough though is it's like, that is so much time, and it, I am so impressed with those people, and I right. love listening to their stories and how they do it, but think of what else you could be doing with that time, <laughs> whether it's shooting your bow, yeah. on the ground scouting, you know, boots on the ground, whatever it is, yeah, because that does take so much time to do it, and so that's why, like, our biggest goal is, like, we want to try to bridge the gap there, alleviate some of those issues, and then let you get out and do, you know, be confident trying somewhere new, right. and that's honestly, like, if I had to think of like the one thing with Onyx as a hunter, not even working for him, it's the fact that I can go to a place brand new, look at it, and in 10 minutes, essentially get 10 trips of knowledge from there. Like I can look at it and be like, here's an access point. Here's a saddle. Here's what the topography looks like. Here's where I think the bedding area is. Like I can have all that where in the past, yes, I could look at a paper map for sure. But if you're messing with boundaries or, you know, paper maps aren't always the most up to date. I have to go actually try those out to get this knowledge. Now I can just go to a place new and start hunting. And yeah. like, yes, I am learning stuff and marking stuff still, but I can confidently go to somewhere that I've never been and within a couple minutes know where I want to start and have a strategy to go start hunting in. Right, exactly. And like, and like you said, I mean, obviously there there was there was ways to do it before or either that or people were trespassing, they didn't know it. And I mean in all honesty, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I'm not saying that it was right to trespass, but if you didn't know, and the people that own the land didn't know slash care, yeah, that it was just so different. Absolutely. You know, nowadays, I mean, it's like, they'll hang you for yeah. it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, you know, people are looking, but even, you know, the inverse of that, there's stuff that's marked that's public ground Yep. and they might have a lease or something on there, but it's not that they own it. And so, you know, they might run cattle or something like that. And you know, it's one of those things where guys have, they use fence lines as like, that's the boundary before. 
Now you can look. Fence lines don't always follow the boundary. Right. A lot of times they do. But yeah. there's times where down the ridge or they're keeping cattle in on a certain piece of BLM, yep. whatever it is. And so there's been, we get so many stories where people are like, yeah, I've been hunting this area forever. I had no idea that that was public ground because there was a fence there. So I just assumed I couldn't go across it. Right. And it's like you had a whole nother section that you could have been hunting. <laughs> and so it's like it's just able to open up more country. And that's our biggest thing is like, you may have a spot that you hunt and shoot some in every year. That's great. But like, I know growing up, we hunted some spots every year that we didn't always have success, <laughs> yeah. but we knew it. So it was like, yeah, we're going to keep going back. Hunted. And then once we got the chip, it was like, all right, let's go start finding some new spots where we can find some more critters. Yeah. Yeah. So are you guys, and you guys might already have it, implemented or you might be thinking about implementing it but you know obviously there's there's different laws in different states yep you know for instance where you were just talking about the lease that's a that's a great example some states i and i think colorado is one of them you can actually lease state land for controlling the access to trespass or hunted yep. or yep. whatever absolutely and are you guys, or maybe you already are, I don't know, but is, is it in the works to be able to like click on that state parcel or even when you click on the state itself, say, Hey, be careful with, you know, state land in Colorado. Yeah. Cause. Yep. So right now what we have is we have, if it's government owned or if it's private parcels. So we don't have that per se, but what we do have is we have the ability to pull the regs up and stuff like that. And what we always say is like, it is different and it's different within states. Right. So always check with the regs to make sure and check because they're so unique in each state and they can change. So we don't have that exactly. But the biggest thing is we're showing what's government owned, public land, BLM, forest service, state. And then we have the private. And I think the biggest thing is like, when you look in your regs, you can find out and a lot of times, you know, there are some, like I know in Montana, there's stuff like state land you can lease where it does restrict access. Right. But then there's some where it's leased and you can actually access yeah. it. So the biggest thing, rule of thumb, is definitely check with the state before because those things can change. You know, leases don't last forever. And so it's one of those ones that the best, if you're hunting those, I would definitely check with the state or ask the game warden, call the game warden up. They're always super helpful and they'll let you know. Yeah. And that's definitely something that we want to put in there. The biggest thing is there's just so many variables of dates changing. States are different. Laws are different. And so right now we're just, <laughs> we have the public land that in there. We lot. will identify it, but we recommend you go talk to the state or the agency to make sure you know. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that would, that would be so much input. And like you say, because it's, it's changing. Hey, and they all change at different dates. Yeah. And it's definitely something we aspire to put in there. You know, we definitely right. want to be able to have a holistic approach for everyone. So you can get all the information in there, but it just takes time. There's of course. a lot of, lot of stuff to put in there. And so something that we'd love to have in yeah. the future, but currently you yeah, know. a lot of wheels in motion. Yeah. <laughs> well, sweet. So, uh, you know, I, I know that you got to go on quite a few hunts this year. And so I, I want to kind of, kind of go over a, maybe a couple of the times on some of your hunts that it, that it really stood out that you're like, man, if I wouldn't have had this app, I don't think it would have turned out the way that it did. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, cause I know there's, there's several that come to my mind like instantly, Yep. but yep. I, I want you to cover a few of yours first and then, uh, then I'll share a couple of mine. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you know, I had started in archery hunting elk and so in Colorado it was national forest yep. really there. It was just like, I knew where I was at. 
But the biggest thing was being able to get, use the trails. Cause we're hunting up 10,000 feet, uh-huh. have knowing where those trails were. So we could actually cover ground. Cause we were hunting a lot of, you know, there's a lot of blowdown. So we're stepping over logs and stuff like that. Everything looks the same. Yep. So there it was all topography using the topo map, but then also seeing those trails. So if I need to get to the other Ridge, I don't have to go over 10,000 trees to do it. Uh huh. But really the biggest ones were, so my elk hunt. I knew the area, but there were some private boundaries that I had to mess with there. Right. And so this was right after Colorado and Montana. I ended up having a tough week, came full draw twice on two six points, didn't get a shot, came back, recouped for a couple of days, went out my first morning in Montana, and I ended up shooting a bull two minutes in. Dang. And so it was an area that we knew there had been elk, but there's definitely some private down there that we had to keep track of that border. Right. And so we're kind of skirting around it. And we hear some elk right away. And so we, my buddy dives off. He starts calling and I hear the bull light up up in front of us and I can hear some cows up there and whatnot. And I'm going to get set because wind's perfect. Like I can't believe, you know, I'm already jacked because it's like literally two minutes after shooting light. Well, then I hear a stick pop to my left and I look and I just see antler tines turning and it's starting to move into where my buddy's calling has no idea I'm there. And so I just kind of looped around ended up getting a 27 yard shot on a five point. That's And honestly, like at that point, and I'm not picky with elk at all, but I like to extend my season. Mm -hmm. But at that point I had had a week backpacking in Colorado where I was beat down. So it was like, (laughs) you know, a bird in the hand is, it was just like, okay, I have a chip shot. Doesn't know I'm there. But that one, I mean, was big because the whole time as, you know, when that bull was bugling the first one, I'm looking down to make sure like, how do I need to set up according to the wind to make sure he doesn't go on private? And here it's like super steep Canyon. The fence wasn't very easy to see. I didn't know where it was from right, there. So right. I'm looking down and I'm actually working to try to keep the wind in my favor, but also try to keep this bull from going down onto private. So we don't have to mess anything there. And fortunately they all stayed up to our left. So they were well onto public. We were kind of in between the border and them. Gotcha. And so it never was an issue, but the whole time as my buddy's calling i'm sitting there looking at the app like okay if he's there i gotta get up to here to cut him off and make sure he stays but that was a big one with elk um the next one was going down to missouri we did i was with the first light guys and a couple of our mutual partners and we went down to a brand new spot piece of public and we wanted to go whitetail hunt Uh we're gonna go do that and me growing up in montana i've done some whitetail hunting but a lot of it's been rifle and yeah some river bottom archery and so this was something new we had a couple of folks who were very very established whitetail hunters but they had never been to this area and so we have this sweet spot big piece of public ground it's an archery only unit kind of later in the year and we were all sharing waypoints back and forth and checking them out and it was cool because like we'd get there and we'd be like okay that one's not good not much tracks <laughs> right. like we don't have trails we're not seeing deer whatever so we just keep scratching them off keep moving and so it was almost like running gun we were just checking them out and the big thing we were doing there is like we were just using the topography to see where these deer are going to be cruising it was that mid-november time frame so we're like hey they should start getting curious i think we were a touch early but it, you know, we had some bucks that were fired up and then we had some that were not running whatsoever. They were food to bed, you know, and so we're trying to play that, but that one was cool. I had two opportunities close, um, full draw once typical, like, you know, just wouldn't give me a shot, but there we were just like brand new area using the topography to figure out where these deer are going to be cruising. Um, 
And I think, you know, the biggest one for me was just playing these boundaries. So my whitetail I shot actually during rifle season um, was an area we'd hunted before, been here with my family many times. And my dad actually shot a deer the day before on this area. And so we weren't <laughs> even planning on cool. hunting it. It was just <laughs> like, you know, it was, we were going to drive through. And what this was, was a small piece of public ground that had some private ranches around it. And these deer were down in the fields rutting. And so what they would do is a buck would take that hot doe and push her up to the public to get away from the rest of the bucks that are down there. And we ended up going and he's just showing me where it was. And I look and all of a sudden I see this little whitetail buck comes flying out of the coulee. And I throw my binos up and I see a better whitetail buck chase him out. And I'm like, hey, there's a good deer right there. And it is like 150 yards from where my dad shot his. And so we end up stalking in and sneaking. And again, I have private on like three sides of me and we still had a pretty good piece of public, but he is like that drainage fed into the private field that he came from. Cause he's put, you know, he pulled that doe out of there, end up sneaking around, peek over the corner. And I see the first little buck and he's still kind of flirting around trying to see what's going on. And then I see the doe and then finally I see the buck and he's sitting there bedded and we ended up sneaking in. I mean, I could have got to bow range, but as it was, we went down and he was like, I got to 96 yards and that was like, okay, I have a rifle. Like we're good. Got set. <laughs> make sure he's one and ended up shooting him. And he was just, yeah, an old heavy four point that that's so cool. It was cool too, because it was like, my dad just shot one the day before he was with me. It's just like the picture perfect stock. Like we better. see him, we go in, we plan it out <laughs> and then to sneak up to 96 yards and he never knew we were there. Yeah. And it was just like, being an area that we hunt, we've hunted for years. Like it was pretty cool to do that. But even on that one, the whole time, like we both had the app, like, okay, are we sure we're good? Like I'm doing right. like the line distance to see how much right. time, you know, how much room I have and had a couple hundred yards. So it wasn't even an issue, but if we, you know, I wounded him or a bad shot, he's going to get onto private yeah. and then we're, you know, out of play. Yep. So, and what's cool with this one is like people drive by this. Yeah. This is a piece like, no one actually thinks they might stop in their pickup and like glass, but it's just some coolies that go down into public or into private and no one ever thinks to hunt these spots, right. you know, just small little sections. And that's really what I've liked doing now is like, you have a lot of folks like, you know, what we did in Colorado and I enjoyed that the backpacking get in is deep. Cause you know, the name of the game is get away from hunters. Right. Right. And so you can do that a couple different Which ways hard and it's gotten, and yeah. And it's gotten really popular to load your pack up and go in as far as you can, <laughs> yeah. which is great. I enjoyed it, but everyone's leaving these nice little sections where the animals are on private and they want to come right there. And yeah, I mean, I hate to give that away, but it's just like, you know, there's so many different ways to get away from hunters. And that's kind of what I've enjoyed doing is finding these kind of look, you know, these pieces that people just drive right by and never think about. Right. And even with that, it's still like, there's plenty of times I'll go there and there's not an animal to be seen. <laughs> right. Like there's nothing. But there are times where there's an animal hanging out there that, you know, people are driving by and because they didn't go check it out, look down there, whatever. Right bugle into it like there's critters hiding because they know people are just going to keep going by it yeah they know that everybody else is just going to pull up to the edge and look off like that you exactly know? yeah <clears throat> yeah that's that's so true because i had a few times this year whether it be uh you know utah or montana or wherever <coughs> but 
uh, you know, one of the spots that, that I hunt in Wyoming, my home state, we've hunted it for, I don't even know how many years. Yeah. And it's just like you were saying, still, I know where the boundaries are or very, very close. For sure. And, and I still pull it up and I look and it's just, it's just like peace of mind, you know, because for sure that, that land or that specific one is such an asshole, like literally. Yeah. I mean, if they even think that you're close, they'll try and turn you in. They're just that, they're those kind of people, you know? Yep. And so it's just nice. Just, yep, we're good. And it's over by that point. So just keep an eye on that point, you know? No, and it just, it makes it so much better. We, we don't want to be all stressed out when we're hunting. No. We go hunting so we're not stressed. That's <laughs> yeah. the stress reliever. And like the worst thing is not knowing if you can be where you're at at that moment. Right. And so being able to look down and be like, yep, I'm on BLM. I'm good to go. Right. So it's like, that's the thing that's so nice is just knowing where you're at and not having to worry, is this somewhere I can or can't be? Yep. Yep. And then uh, another ones that <clears throat> that I that I find are, are just... I, I don't know. It's just, you'll be, I, I like to look at a lot when I'm, you know, have it like on the, the hold phone holder, whatever the hell you yeah, call them. And, in the and car. just, well, yeah, while you're driving and you'll just see these, these corners that touch the road and then you can park and just go and you look at it and you're like, that's a lot of public. Yes, for sure. You know, and, and I, I don't even know how many times that I got, I saw this one great big piece and i don't want to name the state <laughs> no it's south dakota but it's great great big piece of blm yeah and it touched in two opposite corners yeah and then on the front side though it didn't touch any of the county road yep so i'm thinking and i never had gone into it before i'd always focused other areas i went into it and i saw all kinds of great bucks yeah this was like and I didn't see a single other person. Exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. One. Well, I mean, even with that, I'm sure you had to hike in a ways to get to the point where you wanted to go. Yeah. But you're still just trying to get away from hunters. Like yeah. That's, at the end of the day. Honestly, it's like, <laughs> and that sounds terrible, but it's like, we go out there so we can have the area. We want to try to, you know, be out in the woods. We right. want to have it to ourselves. And right. so finding those kind of tough to reach places, whether it's, you know, sweat equity or you're getting strategic about it right and just finding ways that people are looking past or won't go is the name of the game yeah yeah and i've noticed too that with that you know you you start to learn which ones of those that touch the road are going to hold animals which ones aren't yep and i've noticed that you know if you're driving down you see a corner that touches the road and there's kind of a ridge line that follows the road that you can't see over in there that's pretty golden for sure. You Absolutely. know, and, but you wouldn't know that without your guys zap. Yeah. You know, or chip or, or you yeah. know, whatever, whatever Absolutely. avenue you're using, you just, you wouldn't, Yeah, you, you know, you might like say you might get close. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, and you uh, might, you know, and sometimes there's signs there, but again, man, it's tough. You know, I remember when it used to be like, we'd go hiking, we'd start at a place that's on public and we'd hike for a while. And then we're pulling out the paper map and we're like, all right, I think we crossed this trail. I remember seeing that fence. I hope you're we're like, here. Yeah, you're like triangulating, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure based on this topography that we're like right there. Yeah. And we, most of the time, pretty close. But man, it's just nice to pull it up and be like, all right, here's where we're at. Right. Let's and, keep going. And, you know, I also noticed too is, is, uh, sorry. Oh, Onyx liked my story. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Score. Uh, you know, I also noticed, um, you know, 
like you're saying, when, when you can just the, the simplicity of pulling it up and looking at it. Yeah. And being, hey, I'm the blue dot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like, oh, let's count. I've gone four miles, this many grids over and this, you know, and I think I crossed that stream and, yeah. you know, and it's just, and then I, you know, before we jump into just some of your other hunts and stuff like that, I would like to cover maybe, maybe some of the most common questions you get asked. Yeah. Because I know just the, one of the most common questions I get asked is, well, don't you have to have service? And I think that's a super good question because logically that's what you would think. Logically, you'd be like, all this map data has to come from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And I'm just like, no. So what you do is you look at the areas you're going to be hunting. And if you're not really sure, you're going to download a big map. Yep. And if you know some areas you really want to focus in, download a little bit of a higher quality map. And then no matter what, you got your bases covered. Yeah. Then you might not have all the perfect topography, but at least you know you're on public. Yeah, it'll <laughs> give you the land ownership that you need. And you're right. That is the number one misconception and question for us is, hey, I, especially in the West. But also, you know, when I was hunting in Missouri, yeah. there were areas where we didn't have service. And right. so the number one thing people ask, they're like, hey, I love your app, but I hunt without service. And it doesn't work. It's not pulling it up. All you need to do, so all these smartphones have a GPS in it. Right. It has nothing to do with the actual service. Yep. All that does is give it a little more accuracy and it'll ping it back and forth. But you can utilize the GPS just like a Garmin in your phone. And so essentially what you're doing when you save the map from OnX is you're taking a screenshot of all that data and you're doing it in different <laughs> grid sizes. And so yeah. we have the 5x5, five five, which is super granular. I can see all the aerial. 10x10 10 10 zoomed out a little bit. Not quite as clear and you can't zoom in as far. And then we got the 150 by 150, and that's the big dog there that you can save big sections. Even with that, I, so whenever I'm hunting an area, I'll save two 150s, so I have that actual big area. Yeah. And then I'll save a five or 10 within that, so I can get the actual imagery I that's want. That's the same thing I do. And it's, you know, even <clears throat> with the 150s, like, I end up using those the most because I like, now, I like seeing the topography and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's when I'm saving the tens. But really if I need public private and it's like over in Eastern Montana and I, the topography is not as big a key for right. me or trees or cover or whatever, then I can still see where I'm at. According to the boundary, I can still see the roads. Everything's fine there. And like antelope hunting where you're cruising country and you're in yeah. a pickup looking yeah. for goats. Huge. I will save a couple of those sections. Yeah. That way I'm covered, you know, yeah. cause it's like, you can cover a couple hundred miles in, looking, you know, for in a hunt looking for antelope. So it's like, all right, I'll just save grids. And we are, you know, another question is like, Hey, the grids, I want to be able to save bigger hunting units, whatever. We're definitely working on stuff. We're always trying to refine That's that. Cool. And so we're definitely working on ways to save bigger, larger areas faster and then also less storage on your phone. That's cool because, you know, I, I think without a doubt, if there was one thing that I would say would be extremely handy is especially if I have a draw unit. Yeah. If I have a general license, it's different. I'm going to save as many, as much area as I can. But if I have a draw unit... I don't care about what's around it. Yeah. You know, and just literally being able to select the unit and save the, the, the boundary and what's in it. Yep. Would just, oh man, yep. that would be, that would be, especially uh, even on another level, especially if it's in an area I haven't hunted. Yep. You know, if I draw a unit and I had good success somewhere, I'm going to hone in and I'm going to probably save that same area. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, let's be honest. But if it's a new area and it's your draw unit, I don't care about what's on the other side of it. For sure, yeah. You just need that area. And 
we definitely understand that. And I yeah. think we have some cool stuff coming cool. out that I can't speak on yet. No, that's but it'll fine. definitely uh it'll make things much easier. It will uh be much faster and be able, you know, bigger areas. So right. you don't have to worry about what if I get off my save map or anything like that. That's so. awesome. That's cool. Cause and and like you say, it's just it all comes down to it's cool that you guys are able to to evolve and listen to what the people need because if a company doesn't they're not going to really go anywhere and at the end of the day you guys are based off of what people need and what's the usage you know and how people need to use it and i could i mean i you know just putting myself in like when you guys very first got started just putting myself in those shoes i could see well yeah let's just make it so they can do this this square here and this square here and they'll be good yeah you know but then you just start getting feedback and evolving and, and then it, but the only, the only time I would only want one specific unit is if I drew that specific unit. Yeah. Other sure. than that, this, this, the big squares were great. Yeah. You yeah. know? No, for sure. And I think, you know, going back to like the customer <clears throat> thing, we honestly, like everyone says, like the customer is number one for us. Like right. it is like literally our company at our all hands meetings, we talk about the customer first yeah. and we always talk about, a good review and a bad review because we love hearing the successful stories, but the negative ones are equally as important because that's how we improve our product. And so we look at it. We have people across the country using the product every single day. Mm-hmm. Why not utilize their expertise to help us improve the product for them? And so, you know, we have the air report. If a parcel's off, they can actually submit that. We then have employees that are working on those air reports to go back to the county and figure out where it's wrong. Is it on on X or is it on the county? Do we need to tell them to get updated? Whatever. Also, you know, technology software is changing. So if an update happens on the phone and we have a minor bug, that's why we have 15, I think it's 15, it might be more customer service employees that are answering phone calls. As soon as they get it, they're talking to the engineer so we can get it fixed. Right. But also on top of that, you know, these trade shows, our biggest thing we're coming here is to talk with the customers. And our conversations are always like, if they've had it and they tell us a, su- a successful story, that's great. But I always follow up with, what don't we have that you would like to see in Right. For Battle Mountain Media updates and videos, go to battlemountainmedia.com or Battle Mountain Media YouTube channel. Customer feedback. Customer feedback, yeah. <laughs> we no, like we, customer feedback, don't we? No, for sure. I mean, it's you know, it's just one of those things that I got a little long-winded talking about it, but honestly, it's it's so vital to our product. And where our product is now is because of our customers. When we had the chip, they were asking, this was back in <laughs> chip. 11, you know, we thought we had it. Like the chip was like the most revolutionary product. Right? It was great. And then we had folks like, hey, I want it on my phone. And we were like, Uh Oh Oh, no, we got to get this on the phone. (laughs) And now we look at it and it's like, we have, there's still people are using the chip, but I'm glad someone got, you know, was bringing it up and customers were saying, we want this on our phone because now it's, you know, that's, we have way more users that are using it on the phone because everyone's going to carry a smartphone with them. Everybody takes their cell phone everywhere. Everywhere. Even if they're running the chip, they still have their phone with them. And so it's, you know, it just depends on what you want to use. And so the biggest thing is it's like, we openly appreciate the feedback. We understand there's things that can be approved upon and we are definitely working on those, but the feedback, we don't just say we're listening and then don't do anything (laughs) with it. We actually send that on 
and our engineers and they start working on it. We right. start trying to find out ways that we can improve. And so we're constantly looking to innovate and make new stuff. And the first people that are helping us there are our customers. Right. Absolutely. Hands down. And it just, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take myself back to using my little tiny GPS with a little tiny screen. I honestly, I it would be, it would be hard pressed. And then on top of it, that's one more thing that I have to have in my effing backpack. Absolutely. You know, more batteries. And it's just like, man. Well, and you're right. It's just like, not only is the screen smaller, it's just not, you know, these phones are incredible technology. Yeah. I mean, we're what, I was watching a movie on it the other day. Yeah, like, of it's course. Like, you know, like you're watching 4K movies on I it. So it's like, why wouldn't I want to, yeah. You know? And the cameras are phenomenal. Like, why yeah. wouldn't I want to use that screen? It's just, you know, and yeah. there's folks who mine, are carrying iPads around. A little, around. Uh, little different, but yeah. I did. I, I was actually going to bring that up. My wife got me an iPad mini this year for Christmas because I had been telling her, I said, you know, looking at it on this, on the, on the phone is great, but a little bit bigger screen would be even better. Yeah. And so I'm unwrapped and I'm like, the hell is this thing? At first I didn't know. I thought yeah. it was another iPhone. Cause my, as you can tell, my screen is immaculate. Yeah. It's yeah. cracked to hell. Everybody is listening. And, uh, and she's like, well, it's an, it's an iPad mini. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, it was, and I can't wait to use it this next year. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially, you know, now those ones, you can get them with, well, you can get them with cellular service, but you can also, a lot of them have the GPS in them. Yep. And so I have a buddy, he actually has the big dog iPad. Yeah. And I love that thing when we're hunting, <laughs> like in the pickup and we're covering ground for antelope or whatever. I mean, I feel like I got like, a, you know, the MacBook Pro out there yeah. and I have this giant screen that we save it. And it's like, man, we can see, you know, it's so nice to have that thing set up in the car. Yep. So it's pretty cool, you know, and folks, it's just really what your preference is. We're trying to have it on every device that people yeah. want it on. Yeah. And, and that, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, cause I mean, not everybody wants to use the iPad and not everybody wants to use a cell phone. Yeah. So yeah, like you say, that's, it just, it gets into being a company that you, you have to have what people are going to use. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there, there comes a fine line where it's like, okay, we got a little bit too much stuff now. Not that that's you guys. It's no, not. Absolutely. But, but I mean, like, you know, you get into... I think a bino company, bino harness company would be a good example, right? I mean, if you somehow had to make a harness that specifically fit each pair of binoculars, it would you be would very, go out of business. Yeah, it'd be very difficult you know? for sure. So, and see, you know, hopefully you're listening to your customers and seeing which ones they want there. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, and that's one of those things like you never know what the next device is going to be, but we're definitely looking for it. And yeah. we're hoping we're on, you know, the cutting edge of that and yeah. we're going to be out in front of it. Well, I, I think, you know, I think you guys are definitely, <clears throat> definitely doing, doing a great, you know, I think you're doing a great job staying with the times, you know, and honestly, um, other than what we had mentioned just before we started recording, I said, like the only thing that I really notice about maybe some of the other similar products is like being able to do a 3D view, which I think is pretty wicked. Yeah, 3D um, is awesome. And and I don't know somebody that has used those other ones more than me might be Lance's, but I don't know that you can even do that when you're not hooked to cellular data. Yeah. So for some applications, it doesn't really work anyways. Yeah. <clears throat> and chances are when I want 3D, I'm probably going to end up using Google Earth. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, and you guys once again might already be working on this, but I think a, a 
a seamless way, even if you had to somehow partner with Google Earth, that as soon as you put a point on Google Earth, it appears on your Onyx map. Yeah. And you guys might have something like, I don't know, yeah. but something like that. Because, I mean, how often do you go and you're looking at the topography on Google Earth and you're like, oh, that's where I want to be. Yeah. Save yep. a point. And then you're like looking at Google Earth and Onyx and you're like. And like I say, there might be a way yeah. to to transfer those points pretty easily. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I had one time where um, my download map wouldn't show up. Yeah. And and I don't know if, if you guys have heard that before, but it was so weird, man. It was there and I had it titled yeah. and I could click on it. And when I would click on it, nothing would come up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know, but other than that, it's been, it's been great. No, for sure. And it, you know, on the 3d part, you can take your waypoints from Google earth and we can import them in on, and on X. So you can have them back and forth. It's not, you know, seamless where they sync automatically regarding 3d. We're definitely, you know, we have requests for it. And so right. we definitely have some stuff. The biggest thing is we want to be innovative. We don't want to copycat. And yeah. So makes sense. We're looking to make it even better and do stuff that hasn't like been done it. there. So I like it's it. definitely, we've heard it. <laughs> We're definitely well, working on it. when that happens, uh, and, and I don't mean to cut you off, but when you guys start coming out with new stuff, anytime you want to throw that out on a podcast to let people know about the new things, yeah. let me know. I mean, because I, I want to learn about it too. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, we definitely, it's just something people ask for. And so we're looking into some cool. stuff and we're, we're just trying to be, we want to do something new that hasn't been done that will uh, <clears throat> Make improve sense. people's time in the field. But then also on the save maps, you know, a lot of times when there is a bug, it's generally something like an update on the iOS because there's so many different, you know, um, so many different updates from these phones. And right. so we have to make sure our app corresponds with these updates. And so sometimes we'll find a bug. There was a save map one. We definitely understood it. And really all we had to do is, you know, we fixed it, but then it just took resaving the map, which is not acceptable on our point because if you're out hunting and that map fails that's failure for us. So we don't want that. Right. Right. But we definitely heard it. We tried to fix it. It was actually fixed in a day. The only problem is you have to resave it. But the biggest thing is we are working to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. But and it's that's interesting to hear that. Cause not hearing that, not hearing, you know, not knowing that it, that it was literally your map had to sync up with the update from the phone, which had to sync up with updates from the actual phone carrier itself. Like that, that that honestly makes me even feel better about it because I obviously didn't stop using. Yeah. But but just knowing that it's like okay, it really wasn't even your guys's fault. Honestly, yeah. Like let's be honest, you know. So that's good to hear that. Yeah. Because I'm just like, man, that that's a lot of cogs that got to be working together at the same time. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd be lying to say that we've never had a bug before. Right. But the biggest thing is, is as soon as it's identified. Like that save map one, we can have it fix fixed it. very quickly. Yeah. It's that's just awesome. more, and all it'll take is, you know, maybe an update of your phone, update of the app, or just resaving a map. Or sometimes it's as easy as just closing it and opening it again. And that's probably one of the things that's so great about people seemingly switching to more and more of the app. Yeah. Is that when it's something like that, it's a simple update on your guys' end of the app, and then they update the app or whatever. Yep. You don't have to like, plug the chip into the computer or exactly. buy a new chip or something like that, you know? Same thing with like all the data. Yeah. All you have to do is link up to Wi-Fi or service and we update that for you. Right. So that's what's nice with the app is like, you don't have to actually manually update it. We're just going to do that for you as soon as you sync to service or Wi-Fi. Cool. Well, sweet, man. Well, I think we've, you know, I think we've definitely covered 
quite a bit about Onyx and kind of some of the ways that you use it, some of the ways that I've used it. Um, before we jump into maybe maybe your favorite hunt of 2019 or maybe one that you're looking forward to most in 2020, yeah, um, is there maybe one or two other questions that you get most frequently about the app or maybe using the app or something like that that you want to cover? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, there's always... There's a lot of stuff to do in the app, and we definitely understand that. And I think the save maps is a big one. Um, another one that we get asked a lot is like parcels. How often are they updated? And so we get this information from the county, and this is a private data that we're getting, the landowner names. Right. There are some counties that we don't have. There's a couple, and that's because we need digital records to put them into the app. And some of these aren't digital or they're not current enough. And so what we do is, you know, we try to update at least a year. We're working on making that much more frequently, but we we have a team of GIS employees that actually work with the county. They get it, and then they curate it, and they make sure that the public, you know, all these different sources of information that are coming in correspond. Because when they come in, the boundaries aren't the same. You know, each set's right, a little different. Right. So they're trying to go through and make it as accurate as possible. And so this is one where we really rely on our customers to let us know. And right. so a lot of folks ask how often it is. We strive for at least once a year and we try to make it before the hunting season, uh -huh. but we will do it. You know, we're working on more frequently and trying to continually update so people have the most accurate land ownership. Right. And then, and, and, and I, I've ran in that, into that a few times. Um, but honestly, I don't, I don't find myself really caring who yeah. owns it because I'm more just, want to make sure that I'm not on private, mm -hmm. you know, I, I could see definitely someplace like, uh, maybe like Kansas or something like, or even antelope hunting. That, that yeah. might be another good one. Like, if you're hunting in certain units in Wyoming where there's just tons of private knowing, so you could call them maybe and ask, I, I could see where that would be helpful. But honestly, all I'm worried about is whether I'm on public or private. That's, yeah. that's, generally where all i'm worried about so if it doesn't say the right name i really don't care yeah but i i would assume it's probably not like that for everybody yeah for sure for sure <laughs> no absolutely it's just you know and it's people want we and we want it we want it to be as updated as possible right. but you know the reality is is not all the counties update every year houses aren't always purchased you know it changes and they go in cycles and so we are working with each county to get it so we can have the most up-to-date maps as possible so right. whatever they have we can have that in there and so that's something that we're always striving on and there if there's an error someone reports that error to us we'll Beep. work on a team yeah. to get it fixed so right those are kind of the two big ones there's always little things like that but really with us it's like we want to give you the information to know whose property you're on and whether you know whether you're hunting public or private, right. but then also give you essentially a Garmin GPS on your phone by being able to mark waypoints, see your current location, share waypoints, and just be able to hunt and not worry about, can I go here? Can I not? Never been here. What does it look like? Whatever. We just yeah. want you to spend more time hunting and less time worrying about where to go. Right. right. Where, where your feet are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, sweet. So, <clears throat> you know, do you have a a hunt from 2019? It, and it might be one of the, the whitetail hunt that you shared or something like that. I don't know, but that you just kind of, it was, it was it. It was just, was, you know, super memorable and just one that really means a lot to you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, I had, 
I was able to do a lot of different types of hunts this year. That's and so cool. Each one was cool. You know, even like the Colorado one, I didn't shoot anything, but I got to go with the born and raised guys and they're it was good some, dudes. yeah, they're great dudes. And you know, I did a little bit of backpack hunting, but I hadn't done a seven day, you know, like hidden in, yeah, 10,000 feet. Like that's not like Montana. And I mean, that one was pretty cool because it's guys I grew up watching and I was hunting with them and they're fantastic dudes, great elk hunters. Yeah. We had lots of opportunity. Um, that one was cool, you know, and it's frustrating because I didn't shoot one. Right. But those, I honestly, for me, it's just like the group dynamic. And so I actually started the year off. We did an archery antelope hunt with guys from First Light, Benchmade, and then on X. We just kind of met up a couple buddies, met up, and we just went to a place we'd never been to. We'd hunted some neighboring areas, but we hadn't been to these specific areas. And, you know, we we're like, there's public, there's some block management, which is private land for public access. And we we're like, all right, let's give this a try. And we all had archery antelope tags. We just split off. And it was like, we'd see an antelope. And we're like, okay, your turn to go. Right. You go on the stock. We'll sit and wait. We'll watch, help out. And I mean, those were sweet because it's like, we'd see the antelope. We'd look down and be like, okay, they're on public. Let's get going. Do a stock. Archery antelope is obviously very difficult, especially spotting stock. Yeah, yeah. I'm not patient enough sitting in the ground blind. So it's like, <laughs> all right, we I see one. Guessed. Yeah. No, and it's like looking at it like, Man, I think we blew. There's two shots fired. Unfortunately, both misses, clean misses. But, man, we had to blow 15, <laughs> 20 stocks, like, in a three- or four-day hunt. But it was so great because, like, we would we were just mobile. So we'd sleep. We'd drive. We had two pickups. We'd be kind of cruising similar areas, but then split off two and two. And then we'd just share a waypoint and be like, here's where camp is tonight. We'd pull up, drop our stuff down, throw our tents out start cooking on the tailgate and hanging out. And it's like, you know, like August, you know, that mid August time frame. it's so beautiful out at nighttime. Like it drops into that like seventies or yeah. whatnot. And yeah, we're just camping like on a piece of public ground that we'd never <laughs> yeah, been to. And perfect. then the next morning we're like, all right, we think we'll head this direction. <laughs> and at one out. point we're like a hundred miles away from where we originally started. Cause we just kept chasing antelope. Yeah, We'd move on to the next piece and keep going. I mean, that one was fun. And I think we're going to make that one a tradition and just keep going. I've shot a couple antelope. Um, definitely, you know, started rifle hunting and then archery was the focus. And once I should got one down, it was like, okay. It was kind of like the monkey was off the back. And now it's like, man, I enjoy doing it. Yeah. I get frustrated. They are like one of the most frustrating animals. And they hunt. see so well, huh? And they just, you know, they'll, they'll let you get to like 150 <laughs> and then they just circle you. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, they're, sometimes you'll find them in advantageous places that you can get a stock. Or sometimes it's just like a stubble field laying in flat. They're just protected in every direction yeah, and you can't yeah. get on them. And so it's always funny, like with that one, cause we're like, there's kind of two strategies. One is like you hunt the stock. So you wait for one that's in a position that you think you can go. And the second one, which I generally do is you just stock every single one of them <laughs> until you finally get an, get a chance at one. That's so awesome. And that's, that's the best the, part of it. Oh, it is. Money. And you know, eventually I'll get frustrated and you know, be like, all right, you, you take two in a row because I've blown the last six. And, but it makes it fun. And you know, that one was, yeah, it's the first hunt of the season of the fall for me. And that one was a blast because it was great dudes, not a lot of pressure. We weren't putting pressure on ourselves and we were just out there to have a good time. Right. And so that one was just cool because it's like the season's here. We're ready. We know that we have a long couple of months of different types of hunting, but this one's like kick it off, 
we're archery hunting, which is always a blast. Yeah. We're spotting stock, which is always fun. And it's a very difficult animal. And we knew we were going to get a lot of opportunities yeah. in which we did. We each that had sounds so fun. I think all of us, I think all of us were full draw. Two arrows were released. Didn't hit the mark, but we had plenty of opportunities <laughs> and it's like plenty within that, like 150. But I think I had at least four or five within a hundred, but just couldn't quite get them to what, you know, yeah. I wanted them at 50 and I needed them closer, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was, it was fun. Cause it's like, we just covered the entire like South central portion of the state. <laughs> like it was just like, we put on so many miles on the pickups, not that we're road hunting. It's more just like, let's go to the next chunk. Yeah, and, let's go find more. Yeah. We'll just camp where we ended up. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah. I hadn't, I had a few this year that were, <clears throat> that were super memorable. I, I shot a, a bull elk at about seven yards, nice. still hunting through the trees. And I had my seven-year-old with me. Really? So he was in my back pocket. I'm going along and I see something start standing up out of his bed. So I come to full draw and I'm looking for an opening, looking for an opening. I finally find one that I'm comfortable with and I shoot. I didn't, I forgot that my, uh, my slider was on 50. Oh, okay. But he was so close. I just hit him high shoulder. Yeah. And he just does that. And I see the blood start running down and I'm like, this is so crazy right now. I reach out and knock another rope. <clears throat> I draw back and he turns and he's so close. You know, yeah. he like goes through his opening kind of trotting and I shoot out again and I hit him really good that time. And I turn around and my kid is just like, oh yeah. He's like, dad, I, I didn't even see it. I thought you were drawing back to practice on a tree. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. you told me. I'm no. like, thanks, buddy. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, that was super memorable. I shot a deer, a uh, mule deer with a rifle with my dad there. And much like you were saying, like that. And it was it was a, a, the exact same spot that uh, a while back I had pushed a, it's a great big nasty draw that's, you know, the sage is just super tall at the bottom. Yeah. And I had pushed a deer out of it for my dad and he shot it and it was actually a deer i had missed with my bow really yeah, that's cool so, so that was super cool i mean it was a big buck yeah you know like seven by six or something like cool deer yeah you know? for sure and uh so so he was down there with a buddy of mine another zach yeah <laughs> actually another as one as weird as that Love is it. you know they were down there pushing it and this buck comes running out and i looked at him and i was like oh he's not that big and i was like I'm excited. I'm having fun. We're going to make this happen, you yeah. know, and, and everything came together and shot, got him shot on the, I missed him the first two shots, yeah. <laughs> but I got him on the third shot. And, uh, it was just so cool being there, you know, having that and experiencing it with my dad and everything for sure. like that. No, just, for sure. It was great. And, uh, yeah, I have a couple others, but I shot a whitetail in my front yard this year. Um, had a type three tag. So yeah. in Wyoming, you can get two tags. You might know that. You yeah. might not. Um, uh, and, yeah, to type three, four, I, we own a whole whopping seven acres and every once in a while we get lucky that there's deer everywhere, Yeah. but every once in a while a hot doe will come through and in November, you know, that'll, yeah. that'll drag them You'll through. have some chasing but eventually. I mean, literally I had my seven-year-old there, my one-year-old, my wife was filming and I was leaning on the trash cans when I shot this deer at like 75 yards. Really? You know, that's so, cool. Yeah. I mean, was it, was it the typical type of hunt? No. Was it my typical type of hunt? No. But was it pretty cool having my boys and my wife there? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, for you sure. Know? No. And I mean, you know, I think you and I are both, I agree with you completely. Cause like all your memorable ones are about friends or family. Yeah. And that's, you know, I get the opportunity to hunt with a lot of people through work and they're great. 
you know, it's people I've grown up watching, but man, I really like, I have a couple close buddies and I have some yeah. friends and family that those are the <laughs> ones that I look forward to. Yeah. And like the whitetail hunt, you know, the whitetail I shot with my dad, that same weekend, it's a weekend before Thanksgiving. Yeah. I've hunted with my family, my couple uncles, cousins, and my dad since I can remember. Yeah. And honestly, like I don't book any hunts during that time. Right. It's like, those are the ones like, I just love it. We'll sit up at my dad's place, my uncle's place. And we have a bunch of garage racks up there. And it's like, I can just count. Like, I remember like that was that year that I got a little tiny three point <sighs> and now, you know, my dad shot that one. And like, man, every single one, I can remember the that, stories and they all so took true. place like right during the same time, just yep. a year prior or years prior. That's actually, that's the whole reason I started filming. Yeah. You know, I, I got a camera. It had, I had no idea it was going to turn into what it has. Yeah. I got it literally so that if I went out and my dad or boys or whatever weren't there, <clears throat> I could take that footage and show them, hey, this is the hunt. For sure. Yeah. You know, and that was that was the whole reason. Yeah. And now it's what it is, which is cool. You know, I'm definitely not complaining, but it just, the whole point was just like what we're speaking to. For sure memories that with friends, family, whatever, that you can't ever get them back. Yeah. You know, they're up there, but as you get more of those, they kind of slowly start to go away. You just remember <laughs> maybe like certain aspects, but you yep. don't remember the whole hunt. Yep. Yeah. No, it's definitely, you know, and that's like, even for me, like just having, carrying a camera a little nicer than the phone and getting some pictures besides the trophy shots, right. you know, cause in the past it's always been like a bunch of different trophy shots of like the deer. And it's like, I can look at the deer and see that. Yeah. I want to know the stuff that happened before and like being able to look back like through the those. camp shots. The and camp the shots and, and just hanging out yeah. like the midday naps and stuff. Yep. Those are the ones where it's like, you can vaguely kind of remember it, but when you look at it, you can remember like, oh, it was a, it yeah, was cold as hell. That me and woke yeah, me up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was cold as hell. And you know, we had to build that fire and froze our ass off and here we're out of food and water <laughs> and you know, we're whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. Those are the best ones there. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that like, no matter what, you know, we're at a hunt show with a lot of people. What is it supposed to be like 50,000 this week? If you ask most of them, those are the ones that I bet they're going to bring up right away is the ones hunting with friends and family. Yeah. Hands down. Cause that's really, well, that's how we, most of us got started and that's what it should be about is spending time with yeah. you know, people you care about. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I, and it's, it's in the hunting industry. It's not politically correct to say that you like to kill shit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just not, it's frowned upon, but I like to kill. I really oh, do. Absolutely. I like to kill yeah. shit. And it is even a bigger bonus having friends and family there when that moment happens. Yeah. For sure. I, oh man, do I love going up and busting my butt and doing it by myself? Yes, yeah. I do. But man, shoot like like that elk I told you about with my boy. If it would have been a spike, if it would have been a cow, I did not care. No, not I at all. I had him, and I was I was like I was ready seven to yards shoot away. Like yeah, that is this you is know, happening you for know? sure. And so yeah, it's just it's so it's just man the memories like looking back and watching them all kind of like kind of like a like a picture book you know like a flip book for sure. If you could just flop your memories out into a picture book and just watch all those you know, all the way back to when you were two. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I rode in a saddle panniered when I was two years old up to, up to the top of the mountain to go help my dad get his cow elk down. Yeah. 
And my son was two years old. He was sitting on my shoulders when I shot an elk with a rifle on my shoulders. That's cool. And I remember taking him down and he looks up at me and I said, well, is that pretty cool, dad? He's like, yeah, but it was loud, (laughs) you know? And we walk up there and he looks at this elk and he looks at me and he looks at the elk, looks at me and he goes, can I pet it? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, Absolutely. go, yeah, you know, sure. and, and another one, he was four years old and his elk bugles and with half dollar size eyes, he turns and looks at me, he goes, dad, did you hear that giant elk? Yeah. You can't, you never get any of that back. No, you know, no, and, for sure. And that's why I, I was like, I need to get a camera and start capturing all this. And then it turned into what it has, which is great. Yeah. And the whole reason was just so. Someday when I'm 80 and my grandkids are oh, like, yeah. can you tell us this whole, cause if they're not into hunting, cool, whatever. Yep. But if they are, I can guarantee you much like I did when I was little, tell me the story of that For sure. deer. Absolutely. I'll tell you, but you can watch it too. Yeah. That's you can cool. watch it. Yeah. And absolutely. <laughs> and it's like, it'll just be so cool looking at it now. Cause I remember looking at like, it was always pictures of just trophy shots. And yeah. it's like, tell me about that. And it gave me a little more context than just a European or a garage rack that's cut off, right. whatever. Now it was like, I thought it was so cool just being able to see like, oh yeah, you're wearing blue jeans and a, you know, car and like jacket or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And you had like the old, the Elmer Fudd hat. Yeah. And now it's like being able to pull up a digital picture or a short video or the full film mm-hmm. and be able to see it. It's just really cool. And I like seeing where it's at. And I think it's great. It, you know, it's for the hunting industry. It's just cool because it's people can look back on it. Right. But then also it inspires people, which yeah. is cool. And you know, we're talking like a lot of the stuff we've been talking about is family. And that's something that drives me. I like you enjoy the pursuit. Yeah. I eat the meat. Like it's, there's so many different aspects that make yep. me love hunting. You know, I started, that's, I was the same way when I was two, I think, I don't know, two or three was like right. my first Little. hunt. I Little. remember <laughs> the first deer my dad shot when I was there. Like, and I'm, I don't remember a whole lot after that. But I remember stalking up there. I remember him shooting. I remember walking up on my first dead animal. And like, that's like, it will go away. Blown. <laughs> but I'd love to see the holistic thing. Like everything yep. that happened that day. Yeah. But the thing is, that's what's cool about it. Is there's so many different things that draw people to hunting. But <laughs> it's really, you know, what do you take out of it? And what do you put into it? Right. Absolutely. Well, man, I... I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah. I, I could probably sit here and bullshit you for another, I don't even know. We've probably been here for almost an hour now. Yeah, I think so. It's been, <laughs> it's been great, you know, get me out of the booth for a little while. And honestly, whenever you get to talk hunting, it's always great. There you go. Well, I appreciated a bunch, Zach, and I look forward to, uh, you know, it, obviously it's up to you guys, but I would be more than happy to when you guys push out a couple of these, um, updates or yeah, for sure. whatever you want to call them. If you want to cover them on a podcast, I would be more than happy to discuss that and at least let listeners know, Hey, here's some new stuff they just came out with. Yeah, for sure. Cool. We'll definitely have some stuff coming out here in the next couple months cool. before hunting season. So awesome. we'll definitely make sure all the listeners know about it. Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch for taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. If you're interested in hunting videos, gear reviews, kill shot compilation, how-to videos, and more, check out the Battle Mountain Media YouTube channel. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed the show.